Hey friends, welcome to the Rhythms for Life podcast, where each week we talk about four rhythms that help you reduce stress and anxiety and take charge of your emotional health. Rest, restore, connect, create. These ideas come from Rebecca's best-selling book, Rhythms of Renewal, trading stress and anxiety for a life of peace and purpose. So grab your copy, invite your friends, and let's live in rhythm. Welcome back. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Gabe. And this is a special bonus episode. Bonus episode. Brought to you by yours truly (laughs) and Gabe. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We're talking about some things that we talk a lot about, but it doesn't always make its way into this conversation. Yeah, we don't talk about culture on this podcast very often, but we are thinking about it every day, right, Gabe? I'm married to you. So I wake up (laughs) six mornings out of seven with a link waiting for me in my text thread from something he read that morning. He is like current event guru, and it's good. It's really good, and it comes out through Q. She's trying to convince herself it's good. Q, it's good. <laughs> it's Sometimes a little overwhelming. I'm like, this is a lot of information to wake up to. But it's it's critical thinking. It's all about like seeing our culture through a lens that might always not be mainstream. It's just kind of having the discernment radar on. In a cultural moment of extreme shift, which is what we're all living through right now. Yeah. And and once a year, we kind of take a moment where we carve out two days, used to be three, this year it's two, where we're delving into all of these topics and issues, and we do it around an event we call the Culture Summit, which yeah. is our 15th annual Q Ideas Conference. And so we wanted to spend a few minutes today just talking about a few of the issues and topics we're going to be describing Hopefully that encourages you and helps you know you're not alone when you're thinking about these things, Mm -hmm. that we're thinking about it, we're working on it, we're trying to bring the best experts to help people like you be informed and educated, but also to let you know that there's an event coming up in a couple of weeks that we want you to be a part of. And while we know you come here for rhythms and for mental health and emotional health, spiritual, vocational, relational health, there's still this side of us. And if you're like me, I'll just go ahead and be the first to disclose that I have lost faith in several sources of media. I've just lost faith in who I'm hearing from. I've lost a level of trust in what opinion or what perspective I can even lean into. And I don't know if, I don't think I'm alone in that. I think there's this kind of, there's several narratives happening at the same time. And we, as people of God, are supposed to somehow sift through the noise and determine what does faithfulness even look like right now? Right. And so this is why I get excited about this culture summit because it at least gives a like some guardrails. <laughs> I think for a lot of us who have just seen a lot of brokenness, quite frankly, whether it's in popular culture, whether it's, you know, in arts and music and film and even in our own families and our homes and our schools and the education and all of it. I mean, good grief. Yeah. And the, the first thing to say is, I mean, we try to approach what's happening in the current issues of our culture, the items we're talking about that many people are discussing and then some nobody's discussing, but that undergird a lot of what's really happening and taking place. And we want to bring light to that and expose that. But it does come from a Christian perspective where yeah. we want to, as Christians, be faithful. We will feel like that's our greatest contribution and calling right now is to be faithful, which means we show up, we participate, mm-hmm. we're in the conversations, we're not shrinking back from them, but that then requires that we're being educated on them. We're learning about some right. new things. We're challenged by ideas that maybe we don't fully agree with. We're hearing stories from people from their perspectives, and we're learning how to better understand and interact because the last thing we want to do is tribalize in such a way that we only listen to the people that think like us or talk like us. 
We want to be those who can have conversations, can yeah. bring people along, can think together, can work together, can find solutions that help human beings flourish. And that's where we begin when we set out to have this Q conversation. Over two days, there's over 35 different presentations, which are nine-minute talks, 18-minute talks, panel conversations, interviews uh, by myself and by multiple people that we invite to have these conversations. And in addition, we're going to have over 50 expert Q&As, which means for everybody listening, whatever that topic is you're most interested in, concerned about, maybe you want a little more education on or feedback on, there's going to be the opportunity for you to directly interact with our presenters so that you can ask those questions virtually. Yeah. You know, I think about the amount of texts I receive on a weekly basis from moms just like me who go, okay, how do we talk about the trend of suicide in our kids? Um, how do we talk about curriculum shifting rapidly in public school systems? How do we talk about gender dysphoria and what that looks like? What is the transgender movement looking like for the next generation? Yeah, what and is technology faith- and yeah. where, where things are headed from from uh, surveillance and and scary ideas like that 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 are bothersome to people all the way to what does it mean to think about things like transhumanism, a term most people haven't heard. It's not in our lexicon that we talk about wildly, but a lot of people are talking about this merger of human beings and technology yeah. and what is that going to look like. And mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of spaces where we can process it. And so we're bringing the experts in so that you can learn from them. For example, on that topic, John Lennox, who's out of Oxford, mathematician, late in his years, but so wise, wrote a book called 2084, where he's describing the future of artificial intelligence, where it's going, what are its intentions, who are the people behind it? What mm-hmm. what can we expect of it? What's great about it? But also, are there some cautions? Are there some yeah. things we should be concerned about? Yeah. Um, so Gabe lives kind of in this space where he was saying earlier, a lot of people do research and just kind of really study, listen to a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different voices. But let's be honest, a lot of us aren't doing that. We We don't quite have capacity for that. I know I don't. Um, I'm just trying to put my best foot forward and, you know, be faithful in the role that I have as as a mom, as a wife, as a friend, as a sister. And we understand that. Like, we wouldn't expect everyone listening to this podcast to kind of get to the bottom of all these issues and really know what the theological response should or could be. And so that's why Q Ideas, this cultural summit, is to help people kind of think faithfully, to stay curious, to advance good. That's that's the goal, is to serve you as a community to go— hey, there is Gabe's brain (laughs) tends to curate a lot of these conversations with thoughtfulness and and gentleness, quite frankly, um, but also conviction that might look sometimes like, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of putting my foot down on this one. This is not okay, or that's not okay. Um, And so I would love for you, Gabe, to even just for a moment, as we talk through some of the topics this year, people can engage now online because as of as of COVID last year in April, we wound up just taking it from where it used to be at the Music City Center. We rented out the whole top floor. A couple thousand people would come to now it's online. Now you can have a virtual experience in your home. You can listen to it with your small group. You can play it for your kids, your teens. I would say any kid over what, 15, 14 yeah, can maybe, engage this yeah. easily. Yeah, I think a teenager would appreciate a lot of these conversations. Yeah, I'm finding a lot of teenagers is like, don't actually mince words with me. Will yeah. you just shoot straight? Yeah, we're treating our kids like they're not educated on a lot of these difficult, complex issues. And a lot of it's just us as parents. We're not confident. We don't know what to say about it or how to say it. 
That's why experiences like this can be so great. And that's the beauty of this experience, which you can learn more about at qideas.org slash culture summit. So go there. You can see all the topics, the presenters. You can see how to register. But it's on demand after the fact. So even if, you know, your kids are in school or you're not able to watch the entire two days, you can go back over the days and weeks after that. And you can go back and watch these specific conversations. And and I think, Rebecca, you should pick some of these topics. We've got yeah. the board in front of us. What, what do you do. want to know I more mean, about? I mean, I'm looking at the board, which is kind of a picture of Gabe's brain. And it's all these topics that we are going to talk about in these two days. So we've got Bitcoin. We've got the cycle of inaction. Truth and battle rap, which I cannot wait battle to hear. Battle rap. Listen, I cannot wait Do you guys to know what battle rap is? I hope so. Battle rap's amazing. We've got Street Hymns with us, who's one of the greatest battle okay. rappers talking I'm about in what a battle rap is, but also how he tries to tell the truth through battle rap. Yeah. And if you haven't, go Google battle rap right now. <laughs> I was going to say, can you break that taste. down for us? Yeah. Um, well, it's partly about engaging people where they are, right? Engaging yeah. youth where they are, engaging um, whatever age it is that, that like, I just love how scripture is so clear about, like, you go, you go where people are, you speak in a language they understand, um, and bring truth. You just be yeah. carriers of light. And um, that's what this is going to be about. But I'm thinking about, Gabe, I would love for you just for a minute, before we get into topics, if if you could, because you curate this large conversation over the course of an entire year of all the things you digest, all the things you read, all the personal burdens and responsibilities you feel looking at our culture, like say say from a, the lens of a father, right? Like you're not that old to be like a spiritual father, but you are in your 40 for her, okay? And we have a 20-year-old. So you've been around enough to go, this is what's been exponentially shifting in the last decade because you've done this work for about 18 years now of like just an, an examination, a front row of culture. And what is the lens in which you look a year out and you start to curate and go, this is going to matter. This is something we can't ignore. Like, how do you identify and determine where to highlight some of these conversations for a broader conversation? Well, there's a few different grids that go into how I'm processing information, issues, what's important, what rises to the level of we need to talk about this versus this is not really that important or something that concerning. And the three lenses for me are, number one, current issues. Yeah. So what are the current conversations everybody's having or the world will be having in the coming year? We always try to look forward when we do this gathering so that we can assess what's coming that you need to be prepared for. And especially as a Christian leader, what do you need to understand? Because your kids are going to ask you about it and the culture is going to be asking you about it. So, so there's a variety of current issues that pop up in these topics, you know, like you mentioned suicide or, uh, Bitcoin or transhumanism, as I mentioned earlier, or progressive Christianity or Christian nationalism or patriotism, that whole okay. debate and discussion. Yeah. That, those are the current issues that right. we address. Yeah. So for right now, I would say some of the impact has just been COVID, you know, how yeah. it's impacted everything. Yeah. We're, we're, we're having conversations on the impact of lockdown. We've got an expert with us who has really assessed what's happening with our kids, what's happened with education, what's happened with adults, what's the mental health fallout. We need to understand that contextually. Like Mm -hmm. significant, whether you agree with lockdowns or you don't agree with it, there has been an impact. Let's measure it. Let's talk about it. Let's understand how do faith communities step into some of these places where people are suffering because of the lack of human relationship, contact, those kinds of things. But let me go back to the lenses. So the first is current issues. The second one is looking at all the different we call them seven channels of cultural influence. If you go to qideas.org slash culture summit, you can see kind of our philosophy. And the seven channels represent everything from business leaders to education to science and technology, government, the church, the media, arts and entertainment. And 
we we want to have talks that are helping Christians who are in all those fields, not just people who are in the church or people who think about churchy type things. We want this to be for the active Christian who's in industry, who's leading right where they're at. And then the third lens is just the practices historically of the Christian church. And what does it mean for us to show up and understand context and be formed and be discipled and live in community and practice our vocation? So we're, we're kind of looking at all those different lenses. And then we come into these different topics, and yeah. we start to get into all the, like you said, controversial ones, complex yeah. ones, difficult ones, where in our culture today, there's very few places to talk about things. Mm-hmm. Everybody's making their statements. Everybody's putting out an Instagram post or a tweet or a meme to make some statement, but mm-hmm. there's not a lot of places Dialogue. to talk about it yeah. or push back on it or say, I don't understand that. Can you tell me more? Right. Or I don't completely agree with you. So yeah. let's talk about that in a civil, respectful way where I appreciate your intellect. I know you're well-studied and smart on this, but I'm not understanding, and I yeah. want to talk about it. Or I disagree with you. Can we do that? And can yeah. we do that well? And people are longing for spaces like that, and that's what will happen April 22nd and 23rd at the Culture Summit. Yeah, I was thinking about just the loss of dialogue. Um, you know, I like you said, social media has become a place of statements. And then if you disagree or you push back or have any questions to that, you're canceled. <laughs> all disagreeing comments will be deleted. Like, I see that all the time. Now, granted, most of them are saying all harmful or mean or unkind or threatening comments will delete it. And I get that. That should be deleted. We don't have energy for that and there's no time for that. But I do I do think there's there's not a freedom when you can't have a civil discourse and a dialogue that doesn't always agree. Like isn't it two ideas that come together that might not be the same? They sharpen the idea, they right. actually round it out. They create a more civil society because we're not going to all have the same perspective. We all come from different upbringings, different backgrounds, different socioeconomic, different race, different gender, and and we can't all just be homogenous. We're and, not supposed to be. And there's great concern right now about the way censorship has crept in, how it's shutting down certain ideologies. If you don't agree with the main narrative on any particular topic or debate, then you're, like you said, you're canceled. I I was just reading a research uh, study yesterday where I think it's 62% of college students right now do not speak up and share their opinions because for fear of the way their peers will perceive them. So they're just shutting down. They're just like, I'm not going to tell you what I think. I'm going to keep it inside. I still think it, but you're not going to know it. And what that does is it starts to create a culture where we're not getting the best ideas, where people can't bring their full self and their intellect. It's actually very anti-intellectual, even in the pursuit of saying this is intellectual and this is woke and this is a way of seeing the world that's the right way. It it actually doesn't want to hold up to questioning. And so what what we're losing is the ability to critically think, which will be my opening talk at Q this year. Yes. I remember you doing a talk on well, you did mention a soft totalitarianism. I mean, this creeping ideology where you really can not actually speak up. And that's what you're saying. These college students, which college used to be known for like debate, right? You've got yeah, you've sharpen like, your ideas, sharpen, challenge, like argue. prove, give me an apologetic as to what defend your position. It makes a more robust, a more articulate, a more intelligent generation. And instead, muting kids is the worst thing because yeah. then they've learned at age 18 to 22 that they their voice doesn't matter. And, and this isn't just Christian concern. I mean, I, I was listening to Bill Maher the other day, you know, from HBO and and his, his show and, you know, a, a guy who's extremely liberal 
who's arguing the same point. Like, yeah. this is ridiculous. What we're doing to our kids, what we're doing to the next generation, what we're doing to our population, where everybody's supposed to shut up unless they fully agree yeah. and are towing the mainstream narrative on every particular topic is a problem, and we cancel you if you disagree. Right. So this isn't a, it's just something where it's just Christians no. concerned about the culture going no. a certain way. No, this is a problem we all need to solve together. And we believe through what we create over these couple of days is, is we create this really rare space now to talk about ideas, to debate yeah. ideas, but also to raise some ideas that I find a lot of Christian leaders don't have the time to read all the books on, don't right. don't have the opportunity to to think through. We want to look underneath the current trends and say, what's, what's happening here? Um, mm-hmm. One of our conversations is on the rise of the modern self, an author named Carl Truman, really getting underneath the last 50 years of how have we gotten to this point to where... We all want to be famous. How have we gotten to this point where we only see the world through the lens of me and my individual needs, my rights? We want to understand that as Christians, but we're also having fun. I mean, we're talking to Ashley Gorley. He's one of the top country music writer, artists of all time. He has over 50 number one singles, and I'm interviewing him about his disciplines of creativity. How do you write over 50 number one singles? Well, it happens from a life of discipline. It happens from a a plan and pursuing it. But then we also talk about, Rebecca, uh, as you mentioned, like these really tough topics, how much suicide has been trending Mm -hmm. right now and the suicidal thoughts that so many of our youth experienced over this last year, over 25% of uh, 18 to 24-year-olds had suicidal thoughts. Why is that happening? Yeah, it goes back to, again, we have been... There's been an agency that's been stolen, I think. This is my opinion. I do think that we've lost some sense of ability to make decisions for ourselves. And part of that's just due to the nature of where things have trended in this last year and a half. But we do feel a sense of powerlessness, and our kids feel that. If our kids can't speak up, they can't actually speak their mind without shaming from their friends or the classroom or the teacher or whatever, then that free idea thing starts to go inward. And you really aren't sure what significance looks like at that point. If you don't have your own personal kind of ability to express yourself as an artist or as a child, like whoever, I don't care. You start to get muzzled, right? Yeah. I don't care how old you are. If you can't speak your heart, if you can't be honest, and this, you can tell I'm a little amped right now, but I'm seeing it just take over. And I resonate with what these kids are saying when they're like, I can't really speak what I really feel. And I was, I was thinking a lot about this studying Mark and Jesus, like for Lent and how Jesus just started co he was covert. His like his ministry was covert. He would heal and go, don't tell anybody. And he would, and then he would talk about like this parable of the sower and the seed. And he would tell parables to large groups of people, but then he'd go back to the disciples and go, I want you to actually, I want to tell you what this means. And I I wonder if Q this culture summit is an expression of that, like where we're kind of going in the room. Like, you know, where you, you know, in Hamilton, you wanted to be in the room where it happened. That's kind of how I see this, this gathering, because there are things that will be said that will not be online. They're, they're just not going to be a public because right. it's not the forum for that. We've learned, like a lot of people who have learned, when you start stepping and treading into more um, ambiguous waters, some delicate waters, some um, controversial waters, you're just not going to blast that. It's not the forum for it. it people don't understand context. People want to just take you out. And, and quite frankly, or people just don't know what to expect from that. But when you're in the room, you can actually lean in. You can have conversations with a person next to you. You can share your vantage point and your story and your family and your community. And I and honestly, that feels to me yeah. 
like what church should be. And that's what we've been trying to do with Q for so many years, is every time you come to an event, it's roundtable seating. You're having conversations with new people that are thoughtful, like-minded in some ways, but maybe disagree with you in others, and you're able to have those conversations. And this year is no different. You're going to have the opportunity if you're in person with us, with our limited space, limited seating, you're going to be able to interact with other people. But then if you're online, you can be a part of a watch party. You can actually invite friends over to engage this with you and have dialogue, because we believe that the change happens locally. It happens on the ground where you're at with your friends, with your community, with your church, with the people you work with, maybe at the institution you work for or work with, or the nonprofit you began. But in all those spaces where you're leading, we need to have dialogue. We need to be talking about these experiences. I have a question. I'm looking at this board. There's so many good ones, but right here you talk about the Equality Act and Fairness for All. Give yeah. me a little vantage point of what that's well, going to be I'm like. I'm sure people have heard a little bit about the Equality Act. It's something being talked about in the Senate right now, a bill that passed the House. And it's been something that's been around for really five years. And mm-hmm. it's essentially equating LGBT rights to the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And so that's something culturally that is moving forward. It'll be a big part of the conversation in the coming weeks. And so at Q, we want to address that. We want people to have a chance to understand what all is included in that. What does that mean for religious organizations? What's that going to mean culturally? What are some of the conversations that that absolutely will create throughout churches, throughout families, throughout our society, if that goes forward or if it doesn't go forward? Okay, next topic, Bitcoin. Yeah, Bitcoin. So we have Jimmy Song who wrote a book on Bitcoin, uh, describing Bitcoin to us and really talking more about currency. If you're not familiar with a lot of the currency discussions today, this is going to help you catch up because a lot is going on, obviously, in the cryptocurrency space. There's a lot of momentum there. A lot of people wanting to invest in cryptocurrency. Okay, you're going to have to explain cryptocurrency because... I yeah, cryptocurrency I, is essentially a digital currency, and it's a instead of the dollar. It's outside of the dollar, the euro. It it lives and exists outside of our traditional ways of having money exchanged, and so this will be a good one for people who aren't that aware of it to get up, updated on it, but also to understand a bit of Why how Jimmy, this author, believes that it's a more moral way to think about okay. currency. That's debatable, but we're going to hear his perspective. Okay. I like it. You have someone sharing the gift of a Black Christian experience. Yeah. We we have Tyler Burns, who's part of an organization the called the, the Witness. I know he's, he's awesome. And one of the topics, and we've talked about this at Q for the last few years, but sometimes when we get into these discussions about the world changing, about the context changing, uh, we can get a little myopic as Christians, or especially evangelicals, or especially white evangelicals, where it feels like the world's changing, and we start to see ourselves as suffering because of that, or going through some new type of persecution. And we forget that our black brothers and sisters over the last hundreds of years have lived under that kind of persecution in American culture as a minority, and had to be joyful and faithful. And so we've invited Tyler to give us that perspective, give us that perspective of of actually leadership, of all that we could learn from this minority group that's had to live through so much suffering, but have done so faithfully and with joy. And that's going to be something we do in one of our first sessions, just to set the tone about how we ought to approach matters that might challenge us in the future. Yeah. When you're talking about race, I want to um, highlight the cycle of inaction, that topic. Yeah, Danny Koch, she's an artist who illustrates so many different 
ideas around race. She kind of blew up on Instagram. Yeah, this spring or last spring. You're yeah. right. And and in her work, she's uh, always helping people become aware of things. Specifically, racism has been a focus of hers. But we want to talk about the cycle of inaction where you have so many people in social media circles that basically want to identify and signal that they're on board with a certain cause or activism but how quickly that can dissipate when the social media moment is over. Right. And it leads to inaction. It leads to people feeling good and amped up about something, but doing literally nothing to make change. And so we want to expose the danger of that when we care about issues and also understand practically what can we do to actually lead to action that changes things. Okay, let's talk about the art of dying well. Yeah, this is a tough one because in the last year, we've seen so much more exposure to death, to the tragedy, the trauma of what's taking place uh, when people walk through death. And so we have Dr. Lydia Dugdale, who's out of Columbia University in New York City, and she wrote this beautiful book on this subject. And it helps us better understand, as people of faith, how do we think about death? How do we look death and stare death in the eye? How do we let go? when it's time to let go. And she has some really interesting data points on how people of faith tend to be the ones that hang on the longest, that mm -hmm. continue to use life support and other types of things to stay alive. Why is that? And mm. what is it about how we're approaching that? Is that good or bad? So we're going to talk about that. Next, we have John Mark Comer talking about progressive Christianity. Yeah, his topic's going to be where progressive Christianity leads. And it's a discussion, if you're not familiar with that term, progressive Christianity, it's, it's a way of describing people who've emerged out of a typical classical Christian understanding of faith to picking up some new ideas around what it means to be Christian. And John Mark, as a pastor in Portland, has talked very openly about the challenges of that and how when you start to go down that path, it always leads to something more that takes you usually further away from Orthodox Christianity. And so we want to talk about that. We want to hear his thoughts on why it does that, where it takes us, so that we as Christians can be aware of that as we see it in our kids, as we see it in the questions that are raised, and as we try to do our best to try to disciple our children towards a healthy way of seeing their faith. Okay, there's just so much here. I can't stop. There's We've got Christian nationalism, truth and journalism, surveillance state, and gender. <laughs> well, the, the gender identity conversation is one that obviously uh, is one of those we've talked about earlier. It's complex. Yeah. And we have Preston Sprinkle with us, who started the Center for Faith, Sex, and Gender, who will interview a lady who's walked through a transition towards transgender. And she did mm -hmm. that at a young age as a teenager, but then she came out of that and regretted it and wanted to walk that back. And she's going to tell her story of what that's been like for her, what that journey's been like, um, all the challenges with that, what she's learned through that. And we'll just get to hear firsthand a story around something we've read a little bit about in the news but you don't always meet people who've walked through it. And so we want to hear from those people and really give their voice uh, the opportunity uh, to speak. Let's talk about surveillance state. What, yeah. what are they watching? What are they hearing of from us, Gabe? <laughs> well, this is going to be a presentation that's a little more around the social credit system that some people have maybe heard about uh, that's taken place and really worked its way into Chinese culture. It's now a matter of daily life that you have an actual score based on your behavior, based on the way you believe, your, your policies, who your friends are. You're being graded, and based on your grade, you're able to have free mobile access throughout society. Or for some people, they can't buy a plane or a train ticket. They can't leave a very short radius within their community or their city because their beliefs don't align with the national narrative or the national beliefs. And so we have an expert from uh, who, who works at the Hoover Institution who's coming in to actually describe that for us and talk to us and educate people who maybe this is the first time you're hearing that. You're like, that sounds really scary. 
But what's scarier is to understand that a lot of our technology companies in the U.S. have been behind helping build that system. So how do we understand that system? Is this a good thing for society or not? Uh, are y'all hearing that? <laughs> you guys are going to want to tune on for that one. Um, I think, you know, awareness breeds action. And a lot of times these things you're saying, we're not even, it's we're blind to it. And I think it's wonderful that we have um, stories from, you know, what other countries are doing and what we're starting to experience. I think we've just got to wake up. We've got to wake up to it all. We've got to pay attention. we got to lean in. Christian nationalism, can you unpack that for a minute? Well, we've heard that term thrown around a lot in the last year. We saw it. Uh, we look at the January 6th uh, insurrection moment where, you know, a lot of people carrying flags with crosses on them or Bibles and, and how much, like, our faith starts to become so intertwined with politics. And uh, there's real definitions, though, for what that is to be a Christian nationalist. And we want to talk to the expert, the guy who's written the book, on what is a Christian nationalist? Mm. And what's the difference between being a Christian nationalist, which is obviously uh, framed in the negative, to being a patriot or a patriotic person who who loves country and loves God? Is it even possible to do that? Or is that a problem? And we want to wrestle with that and talk through that. Can you talk about Secret Church with David Platt? Yeah, David Platt, many of you know, has uh, been such a great leader, prophetic voice, compassionate for the world, uh, but he's also been leading something uh, called Secret Church that's mm. been a once-a-year program where they invite everybody around the world to come in for hours and hours of Bible teaching. Uh, and so we wanted to invite David Platt, who's got a lot of experience understanding the underground church around the world, to describe mm-hmm. that for us. What is that like? What, why do churches that are underground seem to thrive? Yeah. And what can we learn about that in an American culture where there's so much freedom to do church that maybe we actually uh, take it for granted and we want to be careful about that? Yeah, honestly, I'm I'm super pumped about that talk. I actually think we have a lot to learn uh, for the days ahead of what the underground church has learned, what they are learning, what they're doing, and how it's actually more um, faithful and confident and courageous than ever. I, I think yeah. we we really could take some take some notes on that one. Uh, let's talk about divorce. Tony Newhoff. Uh, is somebody who works in this space. She's spent her life helping families, couples, children walk through divorce and the impact it has. Yeah. And so Tony is somebody that we wanted to to help her spot for us. What are the trends towards divorce that we can spot early? How can we, as Christians in a culture that tells us to divorce, and we talked about that a lot here at Rhythms for Life, of the push, and we talked to Tony on this podcast, in fact, about this a few episodes ago, that there is a gravitational pull towards me, individualism, my desires, and we want to push against that a little bit and help educate us and be aware of what are some of the trends that can lead to divorce? How do we defy those trends? How do we be a people that works against that, helps our friends work against that? Because we, the natural progression is to maybe move away from one another. And yeah. so we have to actually work to move towards one another. I love her work. I love her book, Before You Split. If any of you guys have not listened to that episode earlier this season, we interviewed she and her husband, and it was wonderful. The power of listening. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure people are tired of hearing me talk about these topics I at this know, point. This so like go online, snapshot. check out qideas.org yeah. slash Culture Summit. You can read about these uh, along with the other experts. But again, bringing this all to you because we want you to have access to conversations that are kind of hard to find. Even in our churches today, these are not conversations that are happening there widely, and this will be a way to do that. But anyway, one of the final ones I'll describe it's called The Power of Listening. We're going to have David and Aaron Leverton with us. And I love their story, Rebecca. They they went around the entire country. I mean, this was over the last couple of years, and they documented this. A documentary yeah. came out of it. 
um, where they wanted to interview average Americans about their life, about what divides them. Why are we so polarized? What's mm-hmm. going on in our country so right good. now? And how can we start to see each other again as human beings? And so we're going to open the event that first morning and, and hear a bit of vision of what they learned when they stopped and just listened. When we took yeah. the time to hear one another, to listen to one another, because everything is trending towards separation, towards tribalizing, towards pushing mm-hmm. us against one another. And that's not an option for us yeah. as Christians. We have to be the people bringing one another together, bringing peace, unity, helping people at least know how to listen to one another, even if they don't don't agree, respecting the image of God and other people, even when we disagree, uh, and valuing that and bringing dignity to that. That's something that we uniquely do as Christians, and we want to be leading in that, so we're going to talk about it. I'm so glad that we're doing this, and I'm so glad, and I'm so thankful. This Culture Summit has been such a, a gift to me personally, um, a deep dive a couple days every spring to just go, okay, what's on the horizon right now for the next several months? Because as we all know, culture is shifting so quickly, and we feel, Gabe and I feel, a responsibility to this podcast and these listeners to, to like let you know like we're not like oblivious to the cultural landscape. <laughs> we're not checked out. We're not numbing out. We're trying. We're not trying to escape. We're trying to be prudent and thoughtful in how we engage, and we hope that we can be a trusted voice, that this gathering can be a place where you feel like the freedom to ask questions. You can watch online. You can watch with your family, watch with your team, your entire team at the office. Um, we feel strongly that we are supposed to approach culture and be in it, be in the middle of it um, from the lens of a biblical worldview. That's who we are. We're not apologizing for it. We feel very convicted about that. And in fact, in some ways, I feel kind of sassy about it right now (laughs) sometimes when it doesn't feel popular, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay being a rebel. It's fine. Well, you read scripture and realize you're, as a Christian, you know, you're going to have some counterpoint views to the broader culture. And I think today some of those views are just going to be a little more emphasized. And people are feeling that, but people always don't know what to do with that or where to talk about it. Sure. Or don't have confidence that the things they believe or that they're reading in Scripture really can inform not just how to present or pitch somebody on Christianity. More than that, it's the way the world works. Yeah. It's it's this deeper understanding that I remember Chuck Colson, who I had the privilege of being mentored by late in his life, would talk about this is this is the beauty of the Christian worldview and the Christian story, is it makes the most sense out yeah. of all of our age-old questions. It's right. a complex, it provides a comprehensive view and a vision for all of life. And so the answers that we bring as Christians to any of these conversations help our neighbors, even if they don't believe in God, even if they don't call themselves Christians. We can bring truth into these conversations that truly help people flourish in their life and in their relationships. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think that that the way of Jesus is a way of human flourishing. I absolutely believe that, or I wouldn't have signed up for this 40 years ago when I decided I wanted to follow Jesus and I wanted to live a life of faith. And sure, there's been waves of doubt throughout the years or disappointment or loss or whatever, but in the end, what do we have? I mean, I think for myself, what do I have outside of that? Like, the popular cultural narrative right now is just live your best life for yourself and you're like, look out for number one. But in the end, that never leads to life. That always leads to kind of this implosion of self. And I've learned that the hard way. And then I think, uh, you know, a lot of people I've walked alongside, like, just have come out of that and gone, you know, that didn't really, you know, it promised everything, but it delivered nothing. And I, I just don't want to live whatever days I have left for, you know, for number one. I want to actually follow what Jesus is asking me to do, 
I want to be honest about it. I want to be humble. I want to learn. I want to stay curious. I want to listen and seek to understand those who I might disagree with or disagree with me. And so we hope this is a place you feel freedom to do that. And in the end, this is what we're going for. If like the kind of the edge that I'm feeling and I think we're sensing is a little loss of some freedom. And when I think about like the gospel itself, it was Christ came so that we could live free. He gave his life so we could walk free. And free isn't for ourselves in Galatians 6. It's not to serve ourselves and indulge ourselves, but it's freedom is so that we can serve one another in love. Um, In Galatians 6, it says that's how freedom grows. And so this to me is just an intentional mindset of a Christian to go, I'm going to lean in and I'm going to learn what's at stake If actual freedoms and lives are at stake, I'm going to learn about that, and I'm going to use that knowledge to serve someone else so that freedom can grow versus be decreased. You said that well. Well, Thanks, babe. So go to qideas.org slash culture summit. Use RFL for Rhythms for Life, and that's going to give you a 20% off discount code if you decide to come in person, which we still have a few seats remaining in person in Nashville. But for many of you, we know it'll be a virtual experience. It's $99. That'll give you 20% off. We hope you'll take advantage of that. Invite your friends to be a part of this, too. You might decide to host a watch party. You can learn all about how to have these conversations locally. But it's so fun getting to talk about this here today. I know. Thank you, babe. I'm, I'm, I love doing this stuff. This is close to your heart and, as your wife, very close to mine as well. So we hope you guys will take advantage of it. So just make sure you enter the code RFL. It's not case sensitive and you'll get 20% off.